Hello and welcome to our next episode on the book of Romans. Today we're going to begin working through Romans chapter 11. We've made our way through most of Paul's letter to the church in Rome at this point, uh, where Paul has outlined our dire need for a savior, uh, the state of mankind before Christ and how we found ourselves to be in that state, uh, the solution we have, uh, the solution we find to having peace with God through Christ and how all of this works together uh, in God's glorious plan for salvation. Uh, in chapter 10, Paul went through a detailed explanation of how we are saved by belief in Jesus Christ, but he closes that chapter by saying that the people of Israel don't seem to get it. They don't seem to understand. Uh, they don't understand the reality of who Christ is. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah by saying that God is holding out his hand to a disobedient and contrary people. So if you can picture in your mind God holding out his hand with a free offer of salvation... Uh, and Israel's response, by and large, is to reject and to continue disobeying God. That context is what brings us to Romans chapter 11. Uh, we'll dive right into the first few verses and see Paul's response to what we just outlined in chapter 10. If you've been tagging along in this series, you will remember that a trademark characteristic of Paul's writings is to answer anticipated questions from and objections from his audience. And with everything Paul had outlined thus far about God's sovereign choice and salvation and how the people of Israel are continually rejecting Christ, the obvious question is, well, has God rejected the people that he chose? Has God rejected the chosen people of Israel? He chose Israel in the old covenant and now they are rejecting Christ. So isn't that because of God's choice to reject them? So let's read the first five or six verses to see Paul's response to that question. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So Paul opens up with the question he anticipates from his audience. Has God rejected his people? And his response is, of course not. Paul is an Israelite. He accepted Christ. Paul points out that he is like the most Israelite Israelite that you can be. He's a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. You don't get more Jewish than Paul when it comes to your resume. And yet, through a miraculous encounter with Christ, he has placed his faith in Jesus. So Paul says that God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Now remember, in this culture and in this language, foreknew does not mean what we think it means in our modern context and understanding. For them, the word meant to know and to choose ahead of time. So Paul is not saying that God simply looked down through history and knew that a particular people would have faith in him and thus he foreknew and then elected them. 
the follow-up to this verse actually clarifies quite a bit around that word. Paul mentions the prophet Elijah, who even in the Old Testament experienced pushback from the people of Israel when it came to God and his standards for holiness. God's response to Elijah's prayers is that he, God, has preserved 7,000 men from the people of Israel. So even in the Old Testament, just because you were an Israelite does not necessarily mean that you were chosen by God. And that's a lesson that Paul has been teaching through much of this letter. The Israelites were a chosen people, yes, but that didn't mean that they were all individually chosen and elect. We saw this back in Romans 4 where Paul explains how Abraham was justified and saved by faith, not by works. Paul continues to clarify in verse 5 by saying that just like it was in the Old Covenant, so it is in the New Covenant with Christ. That there is a remnant of the people of Israel that are chosen by grace. They are chosen by the undeserved favor of God. And it must be by grace and not by works because, as Paul says in verse 6, if salvation was dependent in any way on works, then the very definition of salvation by grace would be worthless. Grace means undeserved favor. So God, in his loving kindness, looks on his people, and though they deserve his eternal judgment and wrath, he instead pours out mercy and favor to choose and to save them. And that's what he has done and continues to do with the people of Israel who reject him. We'll get to that in later verses. Let's keep reading in chapter 11. We'll pick up at verse 7 and read through verse 12. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So Paul begins to outline here what is really happening with Israel. It's not that God has rejected them. It's that they rejected God. It is, and it is only through the grace, the undeserved favor of God, that anyone, Israel or otherwise, is saved. That's what we see in verse 7. Paul says that the elect, the chosen of God, have obtained Christ, but the rest were hardened. Now, that is verbiage that we in the church tend to either ignore or reinterpret because we don't like it. <laughs> we like it when God pours out favor and love and kindness, but we don't like it when the Bible says that God hardens hearts. But he did in the Old Testament, and he does it in the New Testament, so it would benefit us to sit with this term and have Paul explain it rather than our previous church traditions or preconceived notions speaking into it. And thankfully, we don't have to speculate on what Paul means when he says that the rest of Israel, the ones that were not chosen, were hardened. Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah again and also from Psalms and says that God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, ears that wouldn't hear, and they would have a stumbling block put in front of them to darken their eyes so they couldn't see. So for most of the people of Israel, God prevented them from understanding Christ. They wanted to reject Christ. That was their default position. 
And also, God hardened their hearts to prevent any understanding except for the elect, the ones he chose to pour out grace and understanding and faith. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the understandable reaction to this to this aspect of God's plan is, well, why? Did he harden Israel just so that they might fail? That's what Paul says here in verse 11. And his response is, no, they failed so that salvation could go to the Gentiles. And when salvation comes to the Gentiles, the Israelites will become jealous and more Israelites will come to know Christ. And if the failure of Israel leads to great riches, meaning salvation through Christ for the Gentiles, how much more so will great riches come to the world when the hardness of Israel is removed and they are saved by grace through faith in Christ? That's what Paul is explaining here. The people of Israel have rejected God because that's what people do without the grace of God. They instinctively reject him. We like to think of ourselves as generally good people that are just looking to find God, but that's not how God speaks about humanity. That's not what we've seen so far in the book of Romans. Humanity has rejected God over and over and over again, and it is only through the grace of God that we can even begin to look for a savior. And with Israel, in order to demonstrate his holiness and his excellent plan for salvation, God saw fit to choose the people of Israel as his method for revealing himself to the world in calling out a people to be separate and through whom his son was born. And in that chosen people group, God saw fit to further choose those who he would pour out grace and those whom he would harden. All of that so that we would come to know him. So we'll close this episode with verses 13 through 14 here in chapter 11. Um, But this theme continues throughout the rest of chapter 11. But due to time, we will tackle that in a later episode. So quickly reading here at verse 13. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, so is the whole lump, and if the root is holy, so are the branches." And this reiterates what we were discussing earlier, that Israel was, by and large, hardened in order that the Gentiles may be saved. And in the process of Gentiles being saved, more Israelites are saved. All of this is done according to God's plan for salvation, so that people are saved by him and only him, and not by bloodlines or performance or anything of their own merits. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace, and instead we are saved by something about us, rather than being saved by God and God alone. But hey, maybe you disagree, or maybe I've overlooked a crucial factor here in Romans 11. If so, I would love to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on this chapter and what we've seen in Romans so far. Like I said, we will continue with Romans 11 in a later episode, but for now, I think it's worth sitting with this theme of God's grace and hardening and how it all paints uh, and how it all points to his glory and his holiness. And you would be asking yourself, Have I rejected God? And has God hardened my heart? Well, in my experience, if you are asking those questions, you are demonstrating that you do not have a hard heart because you are seeking after God. And that is not a characteristic of someone who has a hard heart toward God. The response of a hard heart is immediate dismissal and rejection. That's what we see in Romans over and over again. But if God is calling you toward him, 
Don't resist the call. Run to him because he alone is able to truly save you and bring you to himself. And with that, I thank you for tuning in. May God bless you and I will see you soon.